Merry Christmas, Crosspoint. We're the Leroy's. They're the Roy's. Merry Christmas, Crosspoint. We're the Harder family. The season of Advent reminds us of God's peace. From the first Sunday of Advent until Christmas Eve, we await the celebration of Jesus' birth. Week two of Advent is a yes. thrill of peace. Yes, it is. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7 says, For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Luke 2 verses 13 and 14 says, Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Jesus brings us a thrill of peace. Jesus brings us a thrill of peace. The weary world rejoices. church. How are you? What? What are we looking at? Oh, oh, how'd she get up there? I don't know. Oh, there she is. Let's just stare at her for a while. She started walking last week. Uh, she plays piano now, speaks three languages. Okay, all right, let's move on, I guess, if we have to. Um, you, you don't have to look at my granddaughter every Sunday. That is two weeks in a row, but <laughs> imagine finding an old letter, 100 years old or 200 years old, and it's about you. Wouldn't that be weird? A letter about you, and it tells, in this letter, it tells where you would be born, and how you would be born, and who you would be born to. And I think, I think we'd all agree that would be pretty crazy, pretty astounding if someone prophesied the details of your birth before your parents even met. I think it was like, that's amazing. How did they, how did they do that? And yet, this is what Isaiah did 700 years before Jesus was born. In a time of war, a time of darkness, a time of distress, uh, Isaiah points everyone to, to Jesus with incredible detail. 
It's astounding. And essentially what Isaiah is saying is the dark won't last forever. The war won't last forever. Uh, the light is coming. And so we've already heard the text a couple of times, um, but we're going to read it again. It's Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse Nevertheless, that darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of, of Zebulun and Natali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, pretty, pretty accurate, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, like warriors dividing the plunder. You will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior... The uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. Verse 6. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. It's pretty crazy. 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah, it's like, he, it's like he's met him. It's like he knows exactly how this is going to unfold. Jesus fulfilled every prophecy that was ever written about him. There were, the Old Testament is filled with prophecies and, had, and the prophets and others saying, you know, that the light is coming and Jesus fulfilled every one of them. It's a problem for people who don't believe. Like if you don't believe that Jesus is the son of God, then you've got to come up with how do you explain the way that he fulfilled all of these Prophecies, like it's hard to decide where you're going to be born before you're born, right? That's, that's a bit tricky. Or after you're born to say, oh, oh, I was supposed to be born there. Whoops, let's go back and do that. Like that's, that's hard to do. Uh, if, if you could decide where you would be born, I, I would have been born in Florida, not Graham and Ann. If you could decide, I would have been born in a, in a coffee shop on a beach somewhere in Florida. That's, but you don't get to decide those things. That Jesus is not a myth. He, he's not a, a mythical once upon a time in a, in a far, far away land. Or He's not Disney. Jesus is a very, very real person from history. We know this to be true. This, this, is, this is true. And we know a lot about him. And somehow, the prophets of the Old Testament who lived hundreds, uh, hundreds of years before him, they knew a lot about him. And they, they told us how he would be born, where he would be born. Anytime that you are struggling with faith and doubt, which we all do, it'd be hands all over this room this morning, we all do. Anytime that you struggle with faith and doubt, um, remember 
that the collective volume of the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus, they, they, they stack up to this insurmountable volume of evidence that Jesus is who he says he is. He is who scripture says he is. He's, he's the son of God. It's not coincidence after coincidence. It's miracle after miracle. And it's too accurate. Scripture is, is too accurate to not be true. I was holding Tilly in my arms last week and looking at a newborn baby, and my mind is just blown at the detail. And, and, and it, she increased my faith, and I'm thinking, this could not have happened by, you know, random uh, collisions of of stuff over billions of years. This little person has been designed by a creator and she was good for my, for my faith. Last Sunday was the first week of Advent was the thrill of hope. And today, as you know, is the thrill of peace. And Isaiah brings hope and peace together in Isaiah chapter nine. The reason that we have so much hope it's essentially what Isaiah is saying. The reason why we have so much hope is because the Prince of Peace is coming. And now for us, the Prince of Peace has come. And so Isaiah is writing and he's saying, you know, it's dark now, but, but, but the light is coming. Don't lose hope. And I love the tone of that text in Isaiah that, that uh, he's partly warning one generation. He's partly saying, hey, you, you probably should get your stuff together. But he's also filling every future generation with hope that the light is coming. It's dark, but, but, but God is sending the light. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. In a time when there was no peace, when Isaiah was writing this, Isaiah knows that, that peace is coming. God has not forgotten us. Um, God has a plan and a purpose, and in his timing, the light will come. And Isaiah speaks to literally speaks directly to the darkness and to the war and to the evil around him. And he tells those things, hey, you are not going to last forever and you are not going to win. There are brighter days coming. There are better days coming. The Prince of Peace is coming. God has a plan and a purpose. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven, there's that, that phrase again that Isaiah used 700 years earlier. The armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And so, bam, there it is. There is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. It's right there in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Now, when your three-year-old is throwing a fit in Walmart and you just want Jesus to come and take one of you, and you don't, you don't care which one, <laughs> take, take the child, take me, it doesn't matter, just take one of us now. Be reminded like Isaiah, this will not last forever. It won't last forever. I don't think it's too far of a stretch for us to take the words of Isaiah and to apply them as comfort to our own lives. When you are in a time of uncertainty, 
when you're in a time of distress, when you're in a season, you just want that season to get over. When you want the light to come, when, 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 you are, when, when there's a war within you or a war around you, um, you just need to be reminded, hey, God has not forgotten you. God, he, God is faithful. God's promises are true. The light is coming. Pray every day like God is on his way. I know it's corny. I know it's cheesy, but it's memorable. Pray every day. Pray to, you know, about the things in your life that are, that are troubling, that are upsetting, that are causing you whatever. Pray every day as though God is on his way. And Isaiah's prophecies for the future are our promises for today. The things that he said would come true have come true. His prophecies for the future are our promises for today. So don't let the darkness, don't let those things claim territory in your life that belong to the light of Jesus. I want to read verse 6 again, and then we're going to connect it directly to John 14, 27 that Kenzie read earlier. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. If you, if you bring your Bibles, if you have your Bible with you, and if you write in your Bible, circle the word given from Isaiah 9, verse 6 where it says a son is given to us. And then notice all the times in verse 27 of John 14, where the words gift and give and gift and give, it's repeated there in that, in that verse and connect those things. Peace is a gift that only God can give. The kind of peace that, that, that we need in our lives, the only place, you can't get this at Walmart. I Trust me. If you go to Walmart this afternoon, you will not find the peace of Jesus Christ. <laughs> you, you might find some other things. Peace is a gift that only God can give. There is a otherworldly, uh, a whole nother level of peace available, and it's a gift from Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Now, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was mostly written in Greek. The Old Testament word for peace is shalom, and it means to be whole or complete. The New Testament word for peace, the Greek word, is irene, and it, it uh, means quietness and rest. So we have those two images of, of peace, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. Now, peace was commonly used as a greeting as, and as a farewell. When you approach someone, you would say, peace, another, I come in peace, or let this friendship be peace, or let our words be peace. And then as you left, you said to somebody, peace, out. Um, and I want to leave you with peace, and may, may you experience peace um, after, after we've, you know, we've chatted. Like bookends, peace in the beginning, peace at the end. And in Isaiah, back in Isaiah, peace is coming. And in John, peace has come. In the beginning, there was peace. In creation, there was peace. God created, and God said that it was good, and then God 
rested. There's that, that sense of peace in creation. And then you know what happened. We messed things up royally. We messed things up. We decided, like Fleetwood Mac, that we were going to go our own way. And we went our own way. And nothing good happens when you go your own way. And we royally messed things up. Now, sin, sin does not come from your spouse's side of the family. Right? Someone says, oh, well, where did they get that? And you say, oh, well, it came from, came from them. You know, it came from, from their side of the family. Sin came from the fall in the garden, and it is hardwired into us. We are all, you're born broken. You're born separated from God. And I mean, looking at little Tilly, and you think, she is perfect. Well, she is perfect right now. But she's going to learn how to argue. She's going to learn how to throw a fit. And this stuff is hardwired. It didn't come from the spouse's side of the family. We're all born broken. And the prophecy to Isaiah is that peace, peace for your soul, peace for your heart and your mind, peace will come in the form of Jesus Christ, not in some military force that will topple the government, not an attack on Rome, which Peter and others would, like if Jesus said, okay, guys, this is how we're going to do this. We're going to form an army and we're going we're to throw a coup on Rome. There were people who were like, yeah, sign me up for that. Let's go get them. That wasn't Jesus' plan. Peace came as a baby, born to a virgin, placed in an animal's feeding trough, a baby who was born and lived to die, conquered hell, sin, and the grave, so that we who could never find peace on our own, you've tried, and you've found out, I cannot, I cannot find this kind of peace on my own, so that we could experience and know a peace that surpasses all understanding. What is that peace like? It's the it's the peace of forgiveness. Knowing that you've been forgiven and finding the, the power and the courage to forgive others, that kind of peace, where does that come from? It only comes from, from Christ. The peace of grace and mercy. The peace of being adopted into the family of God. The peace that empowers us to love others. Peace that calms the storms in our lives. Peace, even if or when or especially when the doctor says cancer or something else that's terrible. Peace when a loved one is taken from you too early. Peace when life is hard and exhausting. Where else can you find that kind of peace? Where could you, where could you go? Shalom to be whole and complete. Irene, quietness and rest. It's the peace of God. Again to John 14, verse 27, in the first part, Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift. He was telling the disciples that he was going to the cross. They had no clue what he was talking about. They, they, 
it's, it's clear that, that leading up to the crucifixion, the disciples did not get it. They, they, they had no idea what he was talking about. When he said that he was going away, they may have thought that he was going scuba diving in Galilee or snow skiing on Mount Hermon. They had no clue that he was going to the cross. And they are about to be plunged into their deepest and darkest hours. Hours when they will question their faith. Hours when they will question Jesus. Hours when they will be feared with, filled with fear and doubt. In fact, after the resurrection, where does Jesus find them? He finds them behind a locked door trying to figure out, now what are we going to do with our lives? We gave up everything to follow this guy and now he's dead. And so God is dead. What are we, what are we going to do? And so Jesus is telling them, I'm going to leave you, but before I leave, I'm going to give you a gift. And Jesus picked the absolute best possible gift to give them. Um, what would you say is the greatest gift that you've ever been given? Or the worst gift that you've ever been given? You're going to re-gift it at a Yankee swap sometime over Christmas, Right? What did you get for Christmas last year? Most of us probably can't even remember. And you think this year that you've got the perfect gift for your children or your grandchildren, and an hour after you eat, they will be playing with the boxes. They'll be building forts out of the packaging. And you'll think, why did I spend so much money? Why didn't I just get them boxes for Christmas? That's all they, that's all they wanted. And Jesus gives them, the disciples, and us, exactly what they need, his peace. And he describes his peace and he tells them how to, how to use it, how to apply it. His peace, this gift is not like something from Ikea where you need seven engineering degrees just to put the silly thing together. Jesus says, it's peace of mind and heart so you won't be troubled or afraid. It's peace of mind and heart so you won't be troubled or afraid. That's the kind of peace it is, peace of mind and heart. And how you apply it, how you use it, is so that you won't be troubled or afraid. Is that a good gift? It's the greatest gift. The Apostle Paul was familiar with the peace of Jesus. Now, Paul, before he met Christ, had a brutal past and must have had many regrets. And now he's writing from prison to all these new churches and new believers and he writes to them with, with conviction and personal experience about the peace of God. Paul said this in Philippians 4, verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Like, you can't even comprehend this kind of peace. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds. There it is, right? That, that, that's what Jesus said in John 14, 27. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Colossians, Colossians 3, verse 15. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule. Let it rule. He is the Prince of Peace. So let his peace rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So Paul echoes the teaching of Jesus. Peace for your hearts and your minds. Peace for your troubles and your fears. It's shalom and it's irene. It's wholeness, complete quietness 
and rest. It's peace in your coming and peace in your going, like bookends. The weary world can rejoice because there is a thrill of peace that is available in Jesus. The weary Crosspoint Church can rejoice this morning. We can rejoice. Why? Because there is a peace of Jesus that is available right now. The thrill of peace. Now a gift, Jesus says this, this piece, he said to the disciples, I'm leaving you with a gift. A gift sounds like something that we should receive, yes? Especially a gift from Jesus. If God offers you a gift, you should probably receive it. And this offer, this gift is better than, you'll never get a better offer than the peace of God. Your soul will always search for peace until it finds its rest in Jesus. Now, not everyone around the birth of Jesus experienced peace. Jesus wasn't good news to everyone. Uh, look at Herod, right? And uh, he was crazy, and he was threatened by the baby. And so it wasn't good, it wasn't good news to everyone. But th the ones who did experience the peace of Jesus are the ones who came to the, the manger... And they recognized him as the son of God. And they believed in him as the son of God. Those are the ones who experienced peace. The shepherds and those people who gathered around and they said, it's him. It's not just another baby. This is the son of God. This is the Messiah. The light has come. And they experienced peace because they recognized him as the son of God. And they experienced him. They believed in him as their Lord and Savior. And they went away shouting and, and, you know, lifting up glory to God. He's sent his, he's not forgotten us. He's, he's, he is faithful. He is true. He can be trusted. His promises are true. He has sent us the Messiah. Those are the ones, those are the people who experience peace. So we can experience peace without believing in Jesus. And not just believing in him, but receiving him into our, into our lives. Not just thinking, oh, yeah, okay, I, I, I understand. It's more than that. It's, it's inviting him to be peace in your life, to be your Lord and Savior, knowing him, allowing him to be your king. Peace over our troubles, peace over our fears. And the most important piece is a peace knowing that your sins have been forgiven, knowing that you are in a right relationship with the Prince of Peace, with, with Jesus. Now, how awesome would it be? Uh, we did this in the first service. How awesome would it be if someone here in the second service or someone watching online decided that today was their day to make peace with God, to invite the Prince of Peace to come into their lives, to experience the peace of knowing that their sins are forgiven, knowing that they have a relationship with the one who created them. If someone decided to follow Jesus today, simply saying, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That baby born to Mary in that manger 
is my Savior, that you lived on this earth, you died on a cross for my sin, and you rose again. And simply saying, Jesus, would you come into my life? Would I want to know and experience the peace of God in my life? Would you forgive me for any wrong, anything that I've done that, is, that has separated me from you? Anything. Whatever those things are, would you forgive me of those things? Would you power wash my soul and give me a fresh start today? And you thank God for his love. You thank him for his grace, his mercy. And you just say, Jesus, from this point forward, I will serve you. You will be first in my life. You will be Lord of my life. You can lead my life. Um, you just surrender and say, I'm yours. And in that moment, you become a child of God. And scripture says that he fills you with his presence. His Holy Spirit comes in, makes his dwelling in you. And he, will, he will be your guide and your comforter. And he will lead you and, and help you. And, um, and from, that, from this day forward, you just you follow him. Um, December 5th, 2021, Crosspoint Church, the church on the hill, behind the mill, in the ville. And you could say it was the second week of Advent at Crosspoint Church, and some, some guy from Graham and Ann was preaching, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It invited me to, to trust him. And I took that step of faith and I said, Jesus, come into my life. And that's the day that you started that relationship with him. Let's pray together. God, I thank you again that uh, for this moment, another, another Sunday morning where you have you're, you are here. You've been with us. You brought this moment together. Everyone who's here in this room and watching online, Lord, are not here by coincidence. And Lord, I believe this morning that you are speaking uh, and drawing people towards you. And there may be someone here in this room or someone watching online who has never crossed that line of faith where they know that they know that they know that that was the day when they said, Jesus Christ, would you come into my life and save me from my sin? Be my Lord and Savior, and I will follow you and serve you with the rest of my life. And so, Lord, for anyone who's praying that prayer right now, we know the heaven rejoices, we rejoice, we celebrate with them. Um, that is the most important decision they will ever, ever make. And I pray that the peace of God would, would, would fill their life and uh, that the storms and the fears and the doubts and all those other things would just, be, would just be overpowered and overcome by the peace of God. Lord, for others here, your children who have been, there might be others, Lord, who have been struggling with, with fear and worry and stress and uh, whatever, a hundred other things that we could mention here, Lord. 
and they just needed to be reminded of your peace. As they simply say this morning, Jesus, would, would you come and wash your peace over my mind and my heart and just flood, flood my life again with your peace? May I know it. May I feel it. May it be true. May I trust in your peace. May I, may I, um, may I be open, Lord, to this work of your Holy Spirit in my life. Help us not to be anxious. Help us to, to be people of peace. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.